welcome to the Fiscal Fitness Podcast, where personal finance is about the person, not the numbers, and budget isn't a four-letter word anymore. Here's your co-host and certified professional financial coach, Jill Emanuel. Fitness family. Hello to all of you that are joining me live and also hello to all of you that are listening to this on the Fiscal Fitness Podcast. Welcome back. I am excited to hop on today. I'm going to um, have a conversation about um, something called the Diderot effect. So if those of you have already heard of it, um, you know what this is. And if you haven't heard of it, I guarantee this is something that is showing up in your life. And I wanted to kind of dive into how it might be impacting your spending, how it is impacting your level of satisfaction in life and give you a few tools and things that you can do to prevent this from occurring. So for those of you who do not know me, I am Coach Jill Emanuel. I am the lead financial coach with Fiscal Fitness Phoenix. So welcome to all of you. Uh, Let's dive in and get started. So what I'm talking about today is called the Diderot Effect. So I had actually heard of this a number of years ago and was recently reminded of it while I was listening to the book Atomic Habits. Uh, on audiobook by James Clear. And so he was talking about the Diderot effect and it kind of reminded me uh, of how prevalent this really is in our lives, of how much I see this with the clients that I work with, of how much I recognize this in some of my own spending patterns. And it really got me thinking about it and reflecting on it. And so I thought I would share some of that with you because I am positive that this is likely impacting every single one of you to one degree or another. So to kind of give you a little bit of backstory about what the Diderot effect is, this story was actually, um, or this phenomenon, I guess, if you will, was named after a renowned French writer and philosopher named Denis Diderot. So it's D-I-D-E-R-O-T for those of you who might want to Google this and see who it is. Um, Diderot, he first wrote about this phenomenon after he had personally experienced it to his own detriment. So the story is that he had lived the majority of his life in quite a bit of poverty. He originally was going to go to school, to law school, didn't really love it, dropped out, wanted to be a writer, and that is what he pursued for his adult life. And he was actually very well known, very well respected, very educated. He wrote one of the most well-known encyclopedias actually at the time. And despite all of this, he really didn't have any money to show for all of his work. So when his daughter got to be the age where she was going to get married, he didn't have any of the money to pay the dowry. So when Catherine the Great, the Empress of Russia, she heard of his situation and she offered to buy his library of encyclopedia books from him and offered him a good sum of money for that. So I've seen some uh, discrepancies in how much it was that he was actually paid, but from what I've seen, it's anywhere from 50,000 US dollars in present day dollars total or per year. There's some discrepancy there, but at any rate, it was much more money than he had ever had in his life. He had lived in poverty, never had that much to his name. And 
Shortly after receiving this sum of money, he acquired a new scarlet dressing robe that he was just felt amazing in. It was beautiful and immaculate, super luxurious. It was the most beautiful piece of clothing that he had ever owned. And this is really where things got started for him. Okay, so after he received this new luxurious robe, Diderot found that it was far superior to anything else that he owned. He noticed how ragged his other clothes were in comparison. He saw how beautiful it was and he noticed how downtrodden his furniture within his apartment was. It all felt very out of place when it was compared to this new beautiful robe that he loved so much. In his words, he said there was no more coordination, no more unity, no more beauty between his robe and the rest of the things that he owned. So now, since he actually had some money, he decided, well, I'm going to spruce things up a little bit around here. Uh, and what he thought was just going to be a few things continued to overflow to the point where he was replacing his clothing. He was replacing the chair that he always sat in with a beautiful new leather chair. He bought a beautiful large mirror to put above the mantle. He replaced the artwork hanging on the walls. He got a new writing desk, a new table and chairs, a beautiful new rug. Everything kind of had to go so he could surround himself with more opulent things that would match the status of the beautiful dressing robe that he had first acquired. His level of dissatisfaction and his level of consumption led him to purchasing things even on credit. And ultimately he wound up being more in debt than he had ever been before he had received the lump sum of money. So in his reflection, he was, he stated, I was absolute master of my old dressing gown, but now I have become a slave to my new one. And Wow, I just thought that is so true and it still happens to all of us today and it's a very subconscious sort of thing that happens where we get something new, we bring something new and wonderful into our lives and suddenly there's all sorts of other things that we see that are missing or that need to be purchased to go along with that new thing. And this is really where a ton of overspending or a ton of consumerism comes from. It's where a lot of discontent comes from in our life, believe it or not. Whereas we often think, I will feel happier, I will feel more fulfilled, I'll feel more satisfied when I have insert whatever it is, the new car, the new house, the nice new clothes, whatever that thing is. And what it actually does is the exact opposite because by purchasing or upgrading to that nicer, newer, higher level, higher quality item, suddenly everything else that we have seems very unsatisfactory. It seems very you know, low level or not as nice. And we start to not enjoy the things that before we never saw any problem with. I'm going to share a couple of examples with you because I was thinking about this myself after I had started going down the rabbit hole and thinking, how many ways is this showing up for me? And here's two big ones that have happened within the last couple of months. Okay. So one is that we decided that 
2020 is the year of home renovations, lots of home upgrades. We're just trying to freshen things up. And one of those things was painting the house. Okay, that was one of the first things on our list for this year as we were going to paint the house. It needed the exterior to be refreshed. So we did paint the house. Then it was like, well, now that the house is painted, the wreath that I have hanging on the front door doesn't match anymore. So now I need to go and find a nice new decorative wreath to hang on the front door. And we started noticing that the entryway signs that we have hanging up just look a little shabby and old and that we really wanted to replace those also. We wanted to get new potted plants to set in front of the nicely new painted house. We wanted to get some new patio furniture to go in front of the beautiful, nicely painted house. We needed a new sign with the numbers on hanging on the house to make it look more fresh and beautiful. So all of these things, before we painted the house, we didn't really think about, we didn't really notice it. They weren't on our radar. We weren't sad that we didn't have any of those things, but by doing the one thing, it triggered a series of purchases of multiple other things. Another thing that I recently had happened where this showed up was that I invested in training with a new physical trainer. And when I made that decision, it triggered a whole bunch of other purchases that went along with it. So I needed new workout shoes. I needed some knee braces for all the squats and lifting I was going to be doing, a new weightlifting belt. I had to buy some more supplements that she recommended. I needed to buy a jump rope and resistance bands because I'm doing some workouts at home. I needed a gym bag to carry all of this stuff in. I needed to buy a tripod because she wanted me to record my workouts for her and be able to submit them. All of these other things that I suddenly needed because I invested in a trainer. This is something that happens to all of us, you guys. Think about buying a new piece of clothing. Maybe it's a new pair of dress slacks or a new dress for a female. You suddenly need new shoes and jewelry to go with it to match. You buy a new car and suddenly you have to buy tinting and new rims and a new phone charger and a new emergency kit to keep in the trunk or all of these different things. One purchase triggers a series of other purchases and this is really a very common phenomenon actually that happens time and time again. Every time that we upgrade something in our life, we will start wanting everything else to be up-leveled to that level. And we will also begin thinking about the next time we make a purchase, we want something even a little bit nicer or the next upgrade. So it's a continual battle of consumerism, comparison, dissatisfaction, if you are not careful and not aware that this is actually happening. This is why, you know, oftentimes people who are making more money than they've ever made before in the rest of their entire lives, they actually feel no more satisfied by what they have than when they were maybe making peanuts in college and surviving on next to nothing. There actually was less for them to compare at that time. They felt much more satisfied with fewer things because they didn't have a lot of nice things in their life to compare to and to find dissatisfaction in all of the other things around them. So, now that you know what the Diderot effect is, and you can hopefully think of some ways that this is showing up for you in your life, I actually would love it if you would share 
an example. So if those of you that are watching this live on Facebook, drop a comment, share with me if, if you can think of a place that the Diderot effect has shown up for you where you made one purchase and it triggered a series of other purchases that you needed to go along with that original thing. Or those of you that are listening on the podcast, also shoot us a message, drop us a note, let us know uh, how this is showing up for you as well, because I am sure that it is out there in all sorts of very interesting ways, and I would love to hear what you have experienced with this. So let's talk about how we can combat the Diderot effect, how we can stop it from totally derailing our financial life. So the first thing is simply awareness. Right, We cannot do anything about it if we don't even know that this is a thing that happens, if we're completely unaware of this cycle of spending. Uh, so the first piece, now that you have heard about this, is I hope you've opened your eyes to realize that this is a very common spending spiral that can happen, that now that you know of the Diderot effect, you can spot it in your life, you can see and begin to actively think and acknowledge how it's showing up, and you can hopefully act to prevent falling prey to a lot of accidental spending or comparison spending where you're winding up uh, putting out a lot more money than what you intended. The second thing is to really, before you make a purchase, imagine how that new item is going to fit into the rest of your life. So really be, try to picture that new item in your home, for example. So let's say that you are going to buy a new piece of furniture. You're going to buy a new couch, let's say. I want you to imagine how will that couch look in my living room with the current furniture that I already have. Is the style totally different and it's going to look really out of place so it will make you want to buy all new furniture? Will you need to buy a new rug and new chairs and new end tables and new lamps? Or will this piece of furniture actually feel cohesive and blend with the things that you already have? That way you know this is a good purchase for you. It's not going to send you on this spiral of trying to replace everything else to match the one new thing. Similarly, you know, if you're buying a new piece of clothing, let's say it's a new coat, right? And you're buying a new coat, but it doesn't actually match or go with anything that you own. It's maybe a different style. It might have a pattern that doesn't blend with things. Like you really want to think about if it's going to go with some of the things that you already have, or if it's going to result in the need of buying a bunch of other things to make this one purchase practical and usable in your life. Okay, number three on my list is to limit temptation. So, you know, one of the easiest ways to prevent falling into the Diderot effect is to prevent buying a ton of new things to begin with. This doesn't mean that I say never buy new things. Of course we buy things, we have to replace things every now and again, it's nice to treat ourselves, but there is a balance there, especially if you have other financial goals in life, which I hope you all do that we want to limit temptation and really only purchase things when we truly have the need or the desire, not when we are falling prey to sales or just items in front of our face that make us do more of that comparison when we're not even thinking about it otherwise. So when we see new things frequently, it actually increases our desire to consume. It causes more of that comparison-itis. So we want to limit that exposure. One of the ways that I do that 
is limiting the emails and all of that email marketing that we get all of the time. I know that there's, you know, tons of sales. You get all the new stuff sent into your inbox. I really think that it's wise to limit those emails, unsubscribe from as many as possible. It's okay if you miss a sale or two here and there. I promise you're actually probably spending a lot, lot more falling prey to the sales, buying lots of things than you would be if you simply just didn't see any of it. And when you were actively looking for something, you hopped online and looked for the place that was having the sale. So I use something, an app that's called Unroll Me. So U-N-R-O-O-L dot me, M-E. So Unroll Me, it's an app that you can actually sync to your email inbox and it will allow you to very easily unenroll or unsubscribe from emails. You can you know, swipe left or swipe right and it's going to get those things out of your inbox. You can also put it in what they call their roundup. So you can choose if there's some things that you think you might still want to see, rather than getting a dozen emails in your email, you can put it into the roundup and you'll get one email from Unroll Me every day that lumps all of those ads and sales and all of those emails together in one email so you can skim the headlines see if any of them look like something you actually want to open before you're bombarded by so many of those different emails so that's a really good way to limit your exposure and reduce the temptation okay another thing that i think is really important is to try to avoid making purchases or avoid consumption right after you're with a friend or a family member who just got something new. That is really when our level of temptation is very high. I, as I was writing this, I was thinking about a number of years ago, this was actually probably almost a decade ago, one of our friends had just bought a new house and you know what it's like when you buy a new house. So many new things happening, it feels so fresh, new furniture, maybe there's some renovations. They had been like, painting everything to get it nice and fresh and changing fixtures and it just looked so beautiful and it made me come home and look at our house and feel so disappointed in everything that we had going on. Our house was not as nice, it wasn't as fresh, it wasn't as new. We immediately had to paint everything. We were replacing knobs on all the cabinets, replacing fixtures in the bathrooms, and replacing lighting in the bathrooms because I felt so uh, dissatisfied with what we currently had in comparison to what I had just seen at our friend's new beautiful house. So the lesson to be learned from that is to really try to avoid consumption, to make a rule for yourself maybe that you're not going to purchase for X amount of time after you've been around a friend or a family member who has something new that kind of triggers that level of dissatisfaction or comparison within you. Um, so, you know, whether they got a new car, a new house, they're remodeling the house, they got a new phone or a computer, some piece of technology, I feel like that stuff always is a big trigger where we see like, ooh, that new gadget is really cool and we start looking at it also. So try to put a rule in place for yourself to limit the amount of time before you're going to think about it. So maybe it's, I'm going to wait a month, right? I'm gonna wait an entire month before I actually think about shopping for this thing that I just saw my friend or family member have. Um, okay, number four on my list 
is before you buy, look for opportunities to borrow, to trade, to rent, uh, you know, get something that is not going to be a permanent purchase in your life so that it's not there reminding you of how dissatisfied you are with everything else around you. So, you know, if you need to mow your lawn, maybe see if you can borrow a lawnmower from your neighbor before you run out and buy a brand new one. I don't know if that's a great example, but <laughs> um, because once you have the new thing, you might start looking around and realizing, oh, I need a shed to store this lawnmower in and the trimmer is not very good. I should buy a new one of those too. It can really go down that spiral where you need to purchase more and more things. So renting something that you're going to give back can actually save you a lot of money because you won't end up needing to purchase all of those other complimentary items. Uh, let's see, I've got more notes here, so I'm just looking to make sure that I do not fall off track. Okay, so number five is to always budget more than you anticipate. So I know that it feels really good to think, I thought about this purchase, I've got it pretty dialed in, I've researched the cost of it, I wanna stick to this budget. I see this very often with clients when they are uh, you know, doing some, a project around the house, let's say, or going on vacation or planning their child's birthday party, all sorts of those different things where they feel like they can stick to a pretty good budget. And I, highly encourage you to always round up a bit, to always give yourself a little bit more cushion, a little bit more within that budget than what you think you're going to need, because oftentimes there are going to be many other things that wind up coming up that you didn't have on your radar, and a lot of it is a result of the Diderot effect, that you see one thing and suddenly you need a few other things. As I'm saying this, here's another example. This is something that happened this year to me is that I wanted to do something special for our family for Valentine's Day. We don't normally do a big celebration or anything, but I thought, wouldn't it be fun to have a nice dinner at home? Like we're all having a date, my husband and the kids and I, and so we're gonna order dinner out. And then I thought, well, I really should get some beautiful flowers to put on the table because it'll feel more festive and I love fresh flowers, so I'm going to go buy some for myself. Then I thought, well, wouldn't it be cute if we had like some little Valentine's Day decorations and something cute to put on the table? So not that I got super carried away and we did have money planned within our budget for things like this, but it still was one more example of how one purchase or one idea turned into multiple other little purchases that went along with it. So what would have been dinner for, let's say $100, turned into dinner for $150 because I bought flowers and decorations and like little Valentine's knickknacks or something to go along with it, for example. So always plan a little bit more into your budget than what you anticipate, because I guarantee there's going to be little things there. And I feel like it's so much better for you to overestimate your budget, to plan, you know, this birthday party is gonna cost me $500 and it actually costs you 300, wouldn't that be great? Rather than you, you know, thinking, oh, I can only spend 250 and you spend $50 more or $100 more. We want you always coming out in a position where you feel like you're winning and that you're coming out ahead of it. So please, please always plan for extra, really important for travel, 
That's another big one where people oftentimes have multiple different purchases that go along with it and they need to have that in place for them. Okay, number six is to set some limits and pace yourself. So this is just a really good thing to have in place, a good rule for you to set for yourself, if you will, or a set of guidelines that you follow um, is, it, you know, it's not that you can't have anything new. It's just really about you feeling really good about it. When you do purchase something new, that you feel in control of it, that it's not overtaking you. You don't want to be consumed with feelings of regret or buyer's remorse. So again, just having that awareness, pacing yourself, giving yourself some sort of limits behind how much you're consuming. So maybe you, uh, for example, moved into a new house, but you set a limit prior to doing so that you're going to wait X number of months before you're going to buy any new furniture or things for the house so that you can make sure that you're you know, really thinking through that purchase, that you're not just on a spending spree or in that pattern of consumerism because you're trying to make everything so beautiful as what you want this new house to be in that moment. So it's really good to have those, you know, pacing things in place or that limit in place. Another example might be where you set limits on how much you're going to spend for gifts. So maybe you just create a limit across all gifts that you're saying for any you know, baby showers or bridal showers or graduation gifts, I have a limit of $50. And you put that in place so that you don't have to put as much time and energy and thought into those purchases when they happen. And also you know you're not going to accidentally fall into this pattern of spending where you purchase one thing and then you think, oh, but wouldn't it be so great if I got these five other things that will complement it and go so well with it? So having limits in place can really be very healthy for you. It actually makes the decision making and the purchasing process so much easier. Uh, one other example of this is around the holidays. So at Christmas time for the last several years, we have only purchased four gifts for each of our children. So something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. And that is a limit that we put in place. And it really helps us to stay very focused, not get super carried away, uh, to be creative with our shopping. It actually makes it really fun to try to buy something that falls within those categories. And it stops us from over consuming or purchasing way, way too many things or more than what we'd originally intended. All right, the last thing on my list that can help you to feel in control of the Diderot effect is to try to make linear purchases if possible. So this is meaning to try not to like upgrade too much where everything else suddenly feels very unsatisfactory in comparison. So this is the perfect one to end with because it's such a great example of how this phenomenon got its name, the example of the red dressing robe and how everything else was unsatisfactory afterwards. So when you are making purchases, to try to really clearly identify what are your must-haves, what are the you know things that something needs to meet, the criteria that's most essential, but also being okay with saying no to all of the added bells and whistles that maybe you don't need the very top of the line uh, because actually getting that will not make you feel better. It will actually make you feel worse about all the other things that you have in your life. So we wanna try to create some balance so that you're not constantly 
feeling dissatisfied by all the things that you have and striving to meet that new standard of the higher thing, it actually will result in a lot of unsatisfaction in your life in general. So this doesn't mean that you can't have nice things. I'm not trying to say that to any of you, but just make sure that the purchases you're making are in line with your identity, that you aren't going to feel like suddenly this has pushed you into a different place, a different identity that you have to, you know, find more things to support this new level that you are hitting. So slow, slow increases is actually good and much easier for you to assimilate to in your life than making very extreme increases to a higher level when you are spending and purchasing. So I thought that this was a really interesting topic, something to think about, ponder, see how it's showing up in your life. Um, and I hope that this was helpful for you and gave you some insights and things to think about while you are out shopping. I wonder how the Diderot effect is showing up for you. If you would like more information about how we can help you take the stress out of money with one-on-one financial coaching, please check out our website, www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. And please join our private Facebook group by going to facebook.com slash groups slash fiscal fitness money. And if you have a passion for personal finance and are interested in helping others take the stress out of money by becoming a financial coach, check out our financial coach training program at www.financialcoachacademy.com and join our free Facebook group by searching Facebook for Financial Coaches Unite. We'll see you on the next episode of the Fiscal Fitness Podcast, where we'll help the world take the stress out of money.